Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. And we're going to uh, get into the, the word tonight. So the first thing that we're going to do is I want to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 33. We're actually going to start with the same portion of scripture that we started with on uh, Sunday. So I'm going to try to tie into, uh, out of the preaching, into some teaching tonight based upon the same portion of scripture. Amen. Matthew chapter 33. There is no 33. So if you find it, yeah, how about 13? If you find Matthew chapter 33, you'll be the first one ever to find it. Matthew chapter 13. And let's see, what verse was it? Verse 33. There we go. That's what it was. Verse 33. Uh, Let's start with 31. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like. He's given them a metaphor for them to understand what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like to a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown... It is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Another parable spake he unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Amen. All right, I want to, you guys can be seated. Thank you. Uh, I want to continue tonight and kind of follow up from what I preached on Sunday, and I want to look at this same parable of the leaven. And again, the parable says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. All right, so the leaven in that parable is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And then what happens with that leaven is what can happen with the kingdom of, God, uh, the kingdom of heaven in our lives if we follow what the woman did. So it's a metaphor for the kingdom of heaven. And the word Again, some of this is going to be reviewed from Sunday, but the word hid that describes what the woman did with the leaven is used to describe the action of a a lady that enables the leaven to get into the whole mixture of dough, and and that was a process, all right? So that that word hid there was not, again, just kind of tucking it away, but it's speaking of a process. So I'm going to utilize some of the actual language that is used to describe the work of kneading. So that's really what the woman was doing. She was kneading the leaven into the larger lump of dough. And so I've, I've done, did a little bit more research on this process of kneading uh, and the result of what it produces. So this, these actual words that I'm going to use are from an article that is titled The Science Behind Kneading Dough. And it's written by a lady by the name of Bethany Monsell who has a degree in nutritional science and is also the author of a cookbook. 
just to cite my references to give it more credibility. Now, I'm not going to bore you with all the details of and all the interesting facts about the activity. And I could, re- I mean, I love food. So just reading about food brings a level of satisfaction into my life. Uh, last night, my wife made some homemade bread, or I think it was actually frozen dough from the store, but it, it was fresh bread. And uh, I just wanted to actually participate in this sermon. So uh, anyway, I, I'll, Sister Darlin used to make, it, she used to bring loaves of fresh bread. Sister Darlin, if you're out there in the e-world right now, we could use some of that fresh bread. Anyway, I'm not going to bore you with all the facts that I found in reading about the activity of kneading and all the intricate details, but just a few. These are just quotes right out of this article that she wrote, and I think that just in hearing these, you'll, you'll be able to gain some of the clear implications uh, of, of spiritual parallels and the kingdom of heaven expanding into every area of our life. So this is one statement. The art of kneading provides both strength and structure to the dough. All right, so the art of kneading, this process. And in that parable in Matthew chapter, not 33, but 13, that lady that hides, she's kneading the dough. And the, this article says that this, what that woman did provides strength and structure to the dough. Secondly, another statement that I found, she made this statement, a perfectly kneaded dough springs back when when you poke it with your finger. It springs back. There's resilience there. All right, when it's been kneaded properly, there is a a springiness to it. It doesn't, if you poke it, it doesn't stay in that state. It, It gets back to what it was before. Thirdly, this is the third statement that she made, and and, and that's all I'm going to draw from the article. I can give you the reference later if you'd like to read in its entirety. Uh, But if you fail to knead your dough enough by hand, or if you don't allow it enough time in the mixer, the dough will lack strength. It is a telltale sign of not kneading if your bread cannot hold its shape or acts listless and fails to inflate. Instead of rising, she wrote, the dough will simply spread out flat. Now, there's a couple things that I kind of highlighted there. Uh, First of all, she said it will lack strength. Secondly, it cannot hold its shape. It loses its form. And then thirdly, instead of rising, it simply falls flat. Now, I I hope you guys can kind of pick up on some of the parallels there. But these three principles are very applicable and underline the process or the importance, rather, of the process of needing in our walk with God. First of all, again, it provides strength and structure. That, what that woman did when she took that leaven and she kneaded it into the, the, the larger lump of dough, again, the, the, that process, number one, it provides strength and structure. So when we do what that woman does, when, 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 we, when we do in our lives what that woman did, when we take that, that yeast, that leaven, and we work it into the, the, the larger When we begin to knead, when we do that, it provides strength and structure. Secondly, it produces, when we properly knead the dough, it produces a spring back. All right, When the the devil pokes you, you don't just take it, you bounce back. It produces resilience. Micah said it this way, rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall, he said, arise, but rise, I shall arise. All right, anyway, another, another play on the doughiness there. I shall arise. 
All right, there's re- why, how is that, Micah? Because I went through the kneading process. Why is that, Micah? Because I went through the process. That's why there's a resilience in my life. Amen. When, when we've gone through the kneading process, when the enemy pokes us, we don't, there's not an indentation left in our life. We've bounced back to what we were. Thirdly, it enables you to hold your shape and avoid falling flat. Amen. It enables you to hold your shape. Amen. I, I believe that 2020, part two, which we've entered into, it appears like, we all thought, you know, 2020, that's over, New Year, better things. I don't know. Maybe, hopefully it will get better, but I don't know. Anyway, I think what we've gone through is a testing, to, to, it's been revealing, have, have we really been needing? Have we been, have we been hiding the kingdom of heaven in our lives? All right, are, are we just kind of playing church? Are we just been going through the motions? And I think it's, there's been a, a revealing that's taken place. The Bible talks about it as the separation of the chaff and the wheat. All right, how does that happen? If you study the, uh, historically how they used to do that is they would take the, the, the chaff and the wheat together. You can't, if you try to separate it by hand, you, it would be, you'd never get anything done. They would toss it in the air and the, the wind would blow the chaff because the, the chaff has no substance. And then what would fall back down to the ground was the wheat, which was usable. And, and I think what's that, but there had to be a wind. There had to be an opposition that came that would separate, that would reveal what had substance and what didn't. And every once in a while, in our personal lives and in, even in the world at, at large, God allows a wind to blow. And the reason for that wind is to reveal the chaff from the wheat, the substance from the showiness. In our own lives, I, God revealed some things about me to me in 2020. That there were some things about me that weren't, as, there wasn't as much substance as I thought there was. My prayers weren't as deep as I thought they were. Now, the answer to that isn't to give up or quit. The answer is I need to get some substance. Amen? Amen. Anyway, I think the, this, this article that I read, I think, gives us some great parallels. So I want to go a little bit further into application of what we preach Sunday. And I want to start tonight, and I think I'm going to go into next Wednesday night. And I want to encourage this church to be a needy church. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I want you to be needy. <laughs> Spouses are like, I ain't doing that. No. I spent 20 years... Anyway, now have you ever met somebody, I wasn't talking about me, my wife's watching right now, I didn't, that's not what I meant, but have you, have you ever met somebody who was needy, like always had a problem, always needed a shoulder to cry on, right, seemed to always be in an emergency situation, right, so here, here's a few for you. Have you heard the one about the mortgage that was needy? It was needy because it hated being alone. Some of you just aren't, you know. Either you didn't get it or you're not going to give me the satisfaction of getting a laugh out of you. All right, here, how about this one? Have you heard why stormtroopers are needy? No matter where you're at, they will miss you. All right, only, only a few will get that one. All right. Now, that, that's not the kind of needy that I'm encouraging to you to be. I'm not encouraging you to be that kind of needy. Edel, you're still laughing. I got, I got one. 
All right. And my wife is probably right now still shaking her head. So that, I'm not encouraging you to be N-E-E-D-Y. I'm encouraging you to be K-N-E-A-D-Y. Right? If our lives are going to have strength and structure, if we're going to have a resilience so that when the enemy pokes us, and I wish that was all he did, when he punches us, when he knocks us down, that we don't just stay down, we, we bounce back. There's a resilience, amen? If we're going to hold our shape, I think that's what the three Hebrew children did when the, when the fiery furnace was there. They didn't fall apart. They kept their shape. They continued to be what they said they were. They continued to be what they professed to be. And, 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 and that's what happens when you're needy is you hold your shape and you don't fall flat. You don't fall apart. And so we've got to be needy. Amen. I want to be more needy in 2021. Now, the first thing I want to talk to us about tonight is I want to talk to us about praying needy prayers. Praying needy prayers. And, and I want to talk to us about some of the attributes of what needy prayers look like. And again, that's K-N-E-A-D-Y prayers. We all know how to pray N-E-E-D-Y prayer. We've been praying those our whole lives, right? Uh, and, and that's part of the prayer process, but that's not, if that's just, if that's all you ever pray about, that, that's, not a, that's not the kind of prayer that's going to produce a resilience in your life. So the first quality of needy prayers are that they are persistent prayers. right? Again, the process of kneading dough by hand is a process. Everybody say process. Process implies it's not a, it's not a one act, it's not one action. It's, it's over and over and over. And when you when you knead the dough, you, 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 it, it's a process that involves you fold over the dough and then you stretch the dough. And then what do you do? You fold the dough again and you stretch the dough. And then what do you do? You fold the dough and you stretch the dough. And, and you do that, I don't know how many times, they, from what I gather, about 10 minutes at least, you keep on folding and stretching, folding and stretching. It's a continuous over and over again process. If you're expecting at one time, I'm just going to fold this and stretch it, and it's a done deal. You're not going to get, you're not going to get the kind of bread you're wanting. You're going to get flat bread. You're going to get, I don't know. All right. Some, sometimes you try, and sometimes it's just natural. All right. It's, it's not a one step. It's a process. Luke 11. Let's turn to Luke 11, verse 5. And, and let's, let's look at, what the Bible has to say about these persistent prayers. All right, this is the first quality of a needy prayer, is it's persistent. It's a process. It's not a, we don't just pray one time. We don't just pray one time and expect that it's, I mean, yes, we have faith that God's working, but we don't just give up when it doesn't happen. All right, Luke 11, verse number five, and he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, Right? He didn't get up and give him bread because he's his friend. He, get, he got up and gave it to him because of importunity. 
Because of importunity, he will arise and give him as much as he needs. Right? Needy. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given to you. So he uses, he tells this story, and then he goes and makes that applicable to us. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be, it's a process. You ask, you seek, you knock, and it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asketh, and again, my, I, I, when I was a kid, I remember Papa, my grandfather, talking about that ETH, that ending, is a, talks about a continuation, right? My dad, I heard that all my life, ETH. When you see ETH in the Bible, it means it's a continual process. So for everyone that asketh, not asks, not one time, but everyone who, again, folds and stretches, folds and stretches, it's a process. Amen. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? All right, the first attribute of needy prayers is they're persistent. They're persistent. We just keep on praying. We just keep on asking. We keep on seeking. We keep on knocking. Amen. There are prayers. Some of you have been praying prayers for 30 years and they haven't been answered yet. It's not time to give up. All right. Keep on seeking. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Those are the kind of prayers that produce a bounce back in your spirit. Those are the kind of prayers that give you strength. Amen. That give you structure in your walk with God. When, but people that just pray one time and they don't get it so they stop praying, what you find is that all the devil has to do is poke them and the rest of their life they walk around with an indentation in their faith. They walk around with you know, their chest caved in spiritually. There's got to be a resilience in us and that resilience comes through the process of needing. Amen. It comes through needy prayers. Amen. Sister Lawrence, I remember those years that you would bring that suit and put it put it on the seat next to you. I just want to encourage you, bring that suit Sunday and put it in the seat next to you. I know, it, I know you're still praying for it. I'm not questioning your faith. I'm just saying, I, I want to see it. All right, bring that suit and put it in the seat because the elder is coming. All right, he is going to come. I don't know when, but he is. But, but I know that continuous faith, I know, has produced in Sister Lawrence a resilience. She's been through some things, but she just bounces back. She's got some negative reports from the doctor, but as soon as the surgery was over and she recovered. Where was she? Right back in church. Why? Because those needy prayers, those needy prayers are what produce resilience in our walk with God. All right, secondly, needy prayers fold and stretch. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. Again, the process of, the physical process of of kneading bread, of kneading dough, is you fold it and stretch it. Right? You fold it and then you stretch it. So they're really the opposite of one another. When you fold the, the dough, you're reinforcing it. When you stretch it, you're thinning it. So it's kind of the ebb and the flow of prayer. They, they, and, and, but it takes both. It takes the reinforcing and then the thinning. It takes the folding and the stretching. That, that is what produces the elasticity in the bread. 
that allows it to hold its shape. So that when you put it in the oven, it doesn't just fall down and into a big mush. All right, so for that, for us, that translates into both giving and receiving in prayer. And what, what, what I mean by that is we're good at speaking in prayer. In fact, I think we're in most areas of communication. I think we're, we're all uh, somewhat good at talking. We're good at talking. Some are better than others. We won't, don't look around right now. Some are better than others. I guess I'm the guy talking right now, so I, all eyes are on me. But there's another part of communication that we don't give a lot of attention to that I think is actually the more important part of communication, and that is listening, all right? And, and the folding and stretching, what I'm talking about there is speaking, but the other part of that that we don't do as often is listening, learning to recognize, hear, and understand the voice of God. That's a big part of prayer, and I think we're really good at when we have a need, we know how to talk to God. We know how to cry out to God. We know how to make our supplications known unto him. We know how to ask him for what we want. But the other side of that, I don't know that we're as good at, where we just sit and listen and let God speak to us, where we pray and then we seek out in his word, what is God saying unto me? How many of you know that when you pray and then you begin to read the word of God, God speaks to you through his word? Amen, that word comes alive after you've prayed and you've said, God, I want to hear from you, and then, and then many times we say, God, I want to hear from you, and then we go on about our day, and God's like, well, I thought you wanted to hear from me. I was getting ready to talk to you, and you, now you, you're gone. All right, so the folding and the stretching is speaking, but the other part is also listening, learning to recognize, right? Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. That's the, the mark of, of the sheep of that belong to Jesus isn't that they've got a certain brand on them. It's that they know his voice. That when he speaks, they come. When he speaks, their ears perk up. Ah, that's the sound of my master. That's the sound of my savior. So learning to recognize, hear, and understand the voice of God. How many of you would attest and say that's a tremendous part of your relationship with God when you learn how to recognize his voice? Right. How many of you can, can say that when I came to learn how to not just talk to God, but when I learned, when I came to that point in my relationship with him, that I learned how to recognize the voice of God, that's when my relationship with God really began to grow. When I learned how to recognize, raise your hand if, if that's true for you. Right. Because if not, it's like a one-sided relationship where we do all the talking. And, and no relationship is healthy that way. Again, don't look at your spouse right now. In every relationship. Most of us realize that in order to be a functioning part of society, we have to work on how we speak. All right? It's good to learn how to be a better speaker. It's good to learn how to be more effective at talking to people. Okay? It's not good to talk down to people. I hope everybody believe that. It's good to be respectful when we talk to people. Okay? We can't just say whatever we're thinking. Right, that, some of you, that's like a breaking news right there when I said that. It's not good to say whatever you're thinking. Some of you thought, really? That's the first time I've heard that. Right? It, usually, I find it's those that pride themselves in giving everybody a piece of their mind. They're the ones that need to keep all the pieces. All right? it, it's not a good thing to just, there's a time for that, but it's not every time. All right? 
Hold on to some of those pieces of your mind. Put those pieces back together. All right? Fold and stretch. Speak and listen. And I, I would encourage us, spend, be intentional about spending more time listening to the voice of God. Those are the kind of prayers, those are the kind of prayers that bring strength and structure to our life. When we don't know how to hear the voice of God, we fall apart. When trials come and we don't know how to hear from God, we fall apart. When, when opposition comes and we don't know how to hear from God and we're not, I don't know if that's God, I'm not really sure if that's God, what happens is we have no strength and, and we simply go with whatever comes along. Right? But knowing how to that fold and the stretch, speaking but also hearing the voice of God brings strength into our walk with God. Amen. Thirdly, needy prayers bring elevation. Needy prayers bring elevation. On Sunday, I talked about the process of needing is, is kind of like wrestling, right? To wrestle, I, I talk to, you know, just challenge us. Hey, let's, what the preacher preaches on Sunday, don't just go home. I, the, the Bible says, if, if any man preaches to you another doctrine, whether he's an angel or your pastor, it doesn't matter. If, if, if that man gets outside the word of God, let him be accursed, the Bible says. You don't need to get so in love with a man that if the man gets outside the word, you just keep following him. All right, if the man gets outside the word, that's when you say, i got to find me another man of God. If you're going to start preaching things that are not biblical in their foundation, right, again, that doesn't, you know, obviously I'm a human being. Pastors, men of God make mistakes from time to time. But when it's intentional that they're leading people astray, you don't need to be so loyal to a man that you follow the blind lead the blind, both end up in the ditch. You don't need to be so loyal to a man that when they start preaching false doctrine, you keep on following them. Anyway, so wrestle with the word. You don't need to just, well, that's my pastor. I trust him. Now you need to go home and wrestle with the word. Make sure, and again, I'm not trying to birth a lack of trust here, but I am saying you need to go home and study it out. All right, make sure for yourself. That's what the Bible says. Okay, hopefully, you know, hopefully it is, and hopefully... I, hopefully I've done my due diligence to make sure what I'm preaching to you is biblical in nature. But you'd be surprised how many churches in our world today aren't even referencing the Bible in their sermons. And they're just preaching, it's going to make you a better person. It's going to help you be more whatever. And they don't even open the Bible, they just tell stories. Anyway, um, wrestle, wrestle with it. Needy prayer, Rest, prayers where we wrestle. All right, and, and again, that wrestling that I talked about, that kneading process, it's, it's applying pressure, it's stretching, it's folding, it's, it, it really is, it's somewhat of a wrestling. It's not just tucking a little bit of yeast or a little leaven into bread and, or into some dough and then walking off. It's wrestling to get the leaven mixed throughout the whole lump, without, throughout the whole dough. Turn with me, if you would, uh, to Genesis chapter, I think it's 32, Genesis 32. It's definitely not Matthew chapter 33. I know that. And verse 24. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when Jacob saw that he prevailed not against him, or I'm sorry, when the angel saw that he 
prevailed not against him. He touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. Or I guess I should say the man. It doesn't say angel. We can read into that. But the, the man touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And Jacob said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. He said, Thy name is no longer Jacob, but now it's Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Now, this is the wrestling. This is symbolic of what I'm talking to us about, about wrestling with God in prayer, that I'm not, I'm not getting up from this place of prayer until I get something from you, God. I'm not getting up from this place of prayer until I get through to you and you get through to me, until there's some communication. that. Ha- How many of you ever prayed and you just felt distracted and you knew that that prayer was not effective? You need to stay engaged. You need to wrestle a little bit, get beyond that point to where you know that that prayer is being effective. So Jacob does this. He wrestles. Now I want us to backtrack a little bit into Genesis chapter 32 and go back to verse 9. This is pre-wrestling match. This is before WrestleMania number 1. Jacob says, O God of my father, of Grandpa Abraham, O God of my Grandpa Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, And the God that told me where to go. The Lord which said to me, return unto thy country, to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. Pre-wrestling match, Jacob says, Grandpa's God. Daddy's God. The God that has spoken to me before and told me what to do. That was before the needing took place. That was before the wrestling match. That was before the pressure and the folding and the stretching. But now let's look at post-wrestling match. Let's go to Genesis chapter 33, verse 18. And Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is the land of Canaan, when he came from Padanaram. And if I could ever live a place, I would want to live in Padanaram. That's just a cool name. I'm like, graduate from Padanaram High School. That's just a... Anyway, and pitched his tent before the city. And he bought a parcel of field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for an hundred pieces of money. And he erected there an altar and called it El Elohi Israel. All right, that's after the wrestling match. And what, what does El Elohi Israel mean would be translated God, the God of Israel. Now he's not talking about the nation of Israel. There is no nation of Israel. There aren't even tribes of Israel yet. He was saying... This is my God, all right? Before the wrestling match, this is grandpa's God and this is daddy's God and it's a God that I've heard, talk, you know, I've heard pastor preach about God and you know, I, I've heard my Sunday school teacher talk about God, but after the wrestling match, this isn't grandpa's God and daddy's God, this is my God. And, and that's what needy prayers will do. Needy prayers will elevate your revelation of who God is in your life. Amen. This isn't my dad's God. This isn't my grandfather's God. This is my God. But that only comes when you pray needy prayers. That only, that only comes when you begin to wrestle with God in a place of prayer. Listen, I know we've got, we, we do, we're, we have three generations represented, at least three generations represented in this church, maybe four, maybe even five. Monique, I think, is that right? Five? 
Your daughter would be the fifth generation. So we got five generations representing this church. And we got some of you right now that, that may be in the younger generation that if you're not careful, this, you're coming to church because you're coming because mama's God. You know, this is the church where we, this is mom's God. You come out of respect for mom or grandpa's God. That's why you come here. And some of you put, you know, you can clap your hands and you know how to stomp your feet and you know the right time to say amen, but, but really he's not your God yet. And he's only going to become your God when you learn how to pray needy prayers, when you learn how to get in that place of prayer and wrestle with God, uh, when you learn how to get in that place of prayer and say, God, uh, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop wrestling until I get something from you, until I know that you hear my prayer, until I learn how to hear your voice. Uh, amen. But that, that's where we've got to come. We've got to get to that point. And the only way we get there is by praying needy prayers. Because when the storm comes, and if, you're, if, if this is just grandpa's God and, and daddy's God or mama's God, you're going to lose your shape. The devil's going to poke you and then you're just going to cave in. Right? Needy prayers where we wrestle with God. Listen, you don't, you don't have to, you know, well, when I get bills, I don't know what it feels like to not have bills. So I can't really pray. You know, you, you've got your own set of issues. I believe our, the young generation in this church is facing problems. Right now that some of us as adults can't even imagine the things that they're going through. Young people, you need to learn how to wrestle with God. You need to learn how to get in that, in, in that prayer closet and wrestle and get a hold of God for yourself. Amen. Don't rely on mom's prayers and dad's prayers, but you got to learn to pray all by yourself. Amen. Amen. Needy prayers. Fourth, needy prayers leaven the whole. Right, that's what the parable says is that she hid that leaven and the whole became leavened. The point there is that needy prayers transform everything. They transform every area of our life. Now there's a saying that we often use when we discuss the subject of prayer. And it's accurate, but I don't think it's fully accurate. And the statement is prayer changes things. But I want to ask honestly right now, has anybody ever prayed for something to be changed and it wasn't changed? Anybody ever prayed? All right. If, if you have, and the only way your hand is not up is if you've never prayed. Or maybe you, uh, like, you're batting a thousand, like you prayed for one thing and it happened. All right. The, the, the chances are there are things that you've prayed, some of them, it just hasn't happened yet. But some things, things don't change. And, 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 and while it's true that prayer does change things, if, if the only reason we prayed was for things to change, then really what God is in our life is little more than magic genie. All right, then anything I need, I just get the lamp out, you God, hey, do this, that, and boom, there it is. And, and the genie dances around and sings for us and then gives us what we want. But it, it is, it's true that prayer changes. You, you can't pray and, and nothing happens. Something happens. But many times it's not the thing that is changed. Many times it's us that is changed. When we begin to pray for a circumstance, that circumstance may not be changed. But my ability to trust that God is in control does change. All right, When I begin to pray and I see the condition of our world and our nation, and you know what, I pray and I pray and it doesn't change. But you know what does change? My understanding that God is in control. 
my understanding that I can put my trust in him. I didn't think that way before I prayed, but after I got done praying, I had a revelation that God is in control. So when you begin to pray, it's not about things changing. The biggest changes that come through prayer is me. I change when I pray. And the process of kneading the dough brings a transformation to the whole. When you pray needy prayers, it will change you. It will change your perspective. It will change your outlook. Let's look at Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. I think we're down around verse 27. Right after Matthew 33, a little bit further. Some of you are tired of that one. All right, I'll move on to the next joke. All right, for, uh, yeah, let's start with uh, 27. For a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Verse 29 is where I really want to draw our attention to. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. All right, God, they're threatening us. They're persecuting us. But look at what the apostles' prayer is. If it's me in that situation, I'm going to tell you what I'm praying. God, make them stop threatening me. Right? God, make them stop persecuting us, right? Hey, God, are you in control? If you are, then would you take our oppressors away? We're down here trying to do your will. We're trying to preach the gospel. We're trying to bring people to salvation. God, if you're really in control, make them stop threatening us. But that's not what they pray, is it? What they pray is, God, change me. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may say, God, you may not change my circumstance, but if you'll just change me, everything's going to be all right. God, they may never stop threatening me, but in spite of that, God, give me the boldness. Amen. Needy prayers don't always change your circumstance. In fact, when you really start praying needy prayers, you stop praying as much for God to change things around you, and you start praying more prayers about God changing you. Amen. Don't change my circumstance. Change me. Amen. The psalmist David wrote, In Psalms 51, the penitent psalm, the psalm is written after Nathan, the prophet, comes to David revealing his sin of adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband, as we find in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. Also in that passage, the prophet Nathan reveals reveals unto David the penalty that is going to come against his house as a result of his sin. He says this, the sword will not depart from your house. Evil is going to rise up out of your home. And then he concludes by telling him your child is going to die as a result of your sin. David does not cry out and say, God, please change your mind. Please, Lord, let the sword depart from my home. God, please withstand the evil that is going to come out of my... He doesn't even say, God, please spare my child. What does David do? David Psalm 51 tells us what David does. David falls on his face and says, God, change me. 
And many times we get into places and, 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 and we see the circumstances surrounding us and maybe you don't, but I'll speak for myself. And my initial response is, God, change my circumstance. Lord, get me out of this situation. God, remove me from what's going on around me. But instead, David fell down and said, God, you don't have to change my circumstances. You don't have to change my surroundings. But God, I need you to change me. Lord, produce within me a clean spirit, a, a right spirit, a clean heart and a right spirit. Amen. Because I know that a, a, a broken spirit and a contrite heart you will not despise. So God, don't change anything else but change me. Those are needy prayers. Those are needy prayers. And those are the kind of prayers that build strength inside of you, that give you resilience, that when you get knocked down, guess what? You get back up again. Because, God, if you don't change anything else in my world, as long as you'll give me the boldness, as long as you'll give me the strength, as long as you'll give me the resolve, and there are some of you right now that in this place tonight you're being so overwhelmed by what's going on in your world that you're about to walk out on your faith with God because you need to shift your prayers, not, not to God do something in my world, but God do something in me. His attitude of David was a lot different than the attitude of Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 30, after Saul had sinned, here's what Saul said, I have sinned. I did, I, I sinned. But he doesn't stop there. He says, yet honor me now. I pray thee before the elders of my people. Let's keep this between us, Samuel. Let's keep this between us. And even though I've sinned, honor me. David's prayer was a public prayer of repentance. David's prayer was a public prayer. And in fact, when Nathan the prophet came to David and said, what he said is, David, you did this secretly, but God's going to punish you openly. This was a public, the whole nation saw this, and yet David's response was one of, of contrition. David's uh, re re response was one of not change everything around me, but God, have mercy on me. Give me a clean, God, change me, fix me, work on me. Saul's was quite the opposite. Saul said, I know I sinned. Don't change me. Change the circumstances around me. I want to keep on having the, the outward appearance to everybody that everything's all right in my life. Saul wanted everything around him to change, but he didn't want anything in him to change. David said, change me. And I'm telling you, we need some needy prayers in this hour. We need some needy prayers where we stop praying for God to change our circumstances, and instead we start praying for God to change us. I wonder, could we just raise our hands together right now? I'm almost finished, and I just want us to pray a needy prayer right now. God, I'm asking you to change me, Lord. I know that there are circumstances in my world right now that I don't understand, and I've prayed and I've asked you to change some things, but Lord, now I recognize tonight that I need you to change me. Lord, I don't know. The oppressors may come. I don't know, Lord. They, 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 may, they may intimidate me, Lord. They may threaten me, but God, what I'm asking you to do, if, if they never stop threatening me all all I need you to do is give me the boldness. Lord, there's some things that I don't possess right now that I need. If I'm going to be effective in this hour, I need you to give me some ingredients that I don't have. Come on. Come on, God can give us what we need. 
God can give us what we need. He can give us grace. He can give us mercy. He can give us boldness. He can give us courage. God can give us what we need. And I think right now there's got to be a transition away from what we need God to do and what we need God to do in us. Come on, those needy prayers begin to change. The Bible said it leavened the whole lump. It changed everything. God changed my outlook, changed my perspective, changed my desires, changed my way of thinking. Hallelujah, God, give me a clean spirit. God, give me a broken spirit. God, a contrite heart. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Needy prayers. Those, that process, that persistence. I, mean, I, I want to challenge some of you. You've been praying for your children. Don't stop. Don't stop. It's that continual prayer that gives you strength. It's that continual prayer that gives you structure. It's that continual prayer that gives you resilience. Amen, it's that, and I want to ask us as a church to be intentional about not just telling God everything we want, but learning how to listen for God to speak to us in return. Anybody ever just had a morning devotion, time of prayer? You get in the car and turn on the radio and exactly what you were praying about, the song comes on. Somebody gets on the radio and exactly what you were praying about, they start talking about it. What, what is that? Well, that's God, that's God speaking to you. That's God letting you know, hey, I heard you. And now I want to, I just want to let you know that I heard you. And now I've got a little, I've got an answer for you. And sometimes it's just enough for me to know that God heard me. I don't even need an answer, just knowing that God heard me. Because if God heard me, then that means he's working. And elevating. Those wrestling prayers where God goes from being Pastor Staten's God. And Brother Robert's God. And. Brother James God and Brother Silvati's God. Mom's God and Grandpa's God. No, he becomes my God. He, every 12-year-old in this church, he's got to be your God. Every 13-year-old in this church, it's time you got to graduate from this being dad and mom's God. It's got to become your God. But the only way that happens is when you wrestle with God in that place of prayer and he becomes your God. Amen. Amen. God changed me. Change me, Lord. Change me. I wonder tonight, what, what, is there anything you recognize that you need from God? Is there any attribute that you recognize I don't possess? Have you ever learned that there's some, some quality, some, some fruit of the Spirit, let's just say, that you needed, that you didn't possess? You can't think your way into that. But what you can do is pray. You can do is pray, God, give me more patience. Uh, be, be careful on that one, though. My dad always gave a disclaimer on that. Be careful praying for patience. Because you'll do like I did on the way to church tonight and get every red light. Right? I told you all on Sunday, you know, guy treat people right and talk right. And I, and I promise you, but I hadn't even left church Sunday and people were pulling out. I mean, like cars appearing out of nowhere to turn in front of me. My wife was like, hey, remember what you told the church? I was like, I do, I do. One thing, I, I want us to ask wants to pray and dismissal right now. One quality that you know you need God. God, you may not, in, in the book of Acts chapter four, it was, they were threatening them. 
They didn't ask God to change the threatening. They asked God, give me the boldness. God, I'm not asking you right now to pray about your circumstance. I'm asking you to pray about what you need to rise above your circumstance. So, Lord, we pray across this congregation. I pray let this be a needy church, a church that doesn't just pray simple prayers, a church that doesn't just pray little prayers where we just kind of tuck the leaven in and and then hope that something good comes out of it, but a church, God, that folds and stretches and folds and stretches. We just keep on praying for Elder Lawrence because we know one day he's coming. One day he's going to walk into this building and he's going to run to this altar. And God, he's going to surrender his life to you once and for all. God, one day Jeff Roberts is going to come into this church, Lord. One day all those prayers are going to pay off and he's going to walk into this church and come down to an altar and he's going to fall on his knees there and give his life to Jesus Christ. Lord, so we're not going to stop praying. We're going to keep on praying those prayers. We're just going to keep on folding and stretching and folding and stretching and folding and stretching and in doing so, this church is going to become stronger than it's ever been. And in doing so, when the enemy pushes, we're just going to back bounce back and when he punches uh, we're just going to bounce back and when he trips us uh, and we fall we're going to rise again uh, in the name of Jesus and Lord uh, you may not change our world around us uh, Lord it may never get better I don't know uh, I don't know the condition of our world but God would you give us boldness in this hour Lord, if you don't change the environment, just give me the strength that I need to be the witness and the light that you've called me to be in this hour Come on, somebody. God wants you to be needy. It's time to stop just going through the motions. Uh, Come on, it's time to get beyond this being grandpa's God and mom and dad's God. This has got to become your God. It's got to be personal. It can't be pastor's God. It can't be living hope's God. It's got to be yours. Come on, somebody. Get a hold of God right now. Get a hold of God and say, Lord, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm not letting go until something changes. I'm not letting go until you change my desires, Lord. I'm not letting go until you change my marriage, Lord. I'm not letting go until you change my children, God. I'm just going to keep praying. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel feel such a spirit of prayer in this house right now. I feel like right now somebody needs to pray one of those persistent prayers. I know you've prayed it a thousand times before. I know you've prayed it 10,000 times before, but just one more fold and one more stretch. One more time, would you just fold that prayer and would you stretch one more time? Come on, would you ask God one more time to bring that loved one back home? Would you ask God one more time to bring that backslider back home? Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.